Welcome to the Phantoms of the Silver Screen podcast. Rejoice. I am Jumpy, and I am joined by my co-host and friend. Rip R.I.P. Happy to be here. We are here to talk about Midnight Mass, Episode 5, titled Gospels. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, how do you feel? Big episode. <laughs> uh, I got some things I wanted, and I got some things I didn't quite want. So, I'm a bit of a mixed bag of emotions right now. Same. It was an amazing episode. Like, expertly done. <laughs> it was... I couldn't ask for better. Oh, yeah. We're in the climax, as I guess... This is where this episode just sets up something big's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. For those of you who don't know, we always preface this in a lot of our other podcasts, but we, as soon as we finish watching the episode, we get right on the mics and we start talking about it right away. No pre-planned, just raw emotion. Some may call it genius, other may call it lazy. Either way, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> so, do you want to just dive in here? Just to start right away with the deep dive? Uh, Sure, lead us off. All right. How do we begin this episode? So, we begin this episode. All right, so we kick off in the most gut punch kind of way. They <laughs> they freeze the camera on a photo of young Riley and young Aaron Green. <laughs> and they look adorable together like they're meant to be. And it's a real gut punch because we just saw Riley die. And <laughs> we know that they're... Budding romance is not going to happen anymore. That butt <laughs> has been clipped and it's over. So that hurt to see. <laughs> My instant reaction was just screaming at the screen because <laughs> I was just upset by that. And it's not the first time that they're, you know, manipulating you and making you feel bad about Riley because he did have stuff to live for. He did have a lot to live for. And you see that more and more as this episode goes on. You cut to another photo of, you know, the the whole Flynn family. Well, not the whole Flynn family, but the Flynn family in the early days when it was just Riley as a little baby boy or a toddler with his parents. That's hard to see. Yeah. Um, you see another photo, which is actually really kind of creepy. You see another photo with Riley, and he's posing for a photo with good old Monsignor. Oh, old monsignor and they cut past this one real quick but it's definitely riley you can tell by the shape of his nose and stuff they got like a childhood photo of him (laughs) and i'm pretty sure that's old monsignor because they only had one priest ever (laughs) so yeah yeah that is a little daunting that's a little hard to see and then we cut to his mom looking at his empty bedroom riley's empty bedroom Mm -hmm. and she's worried because this is the second night in a row that Riley's been out and 
the family goes to sit down to dinner without Riley. They're all kind of discussing, you know, Riley's not here again. He stayed at Miss Green's house second right in a row. And the mom's defending him. And I like that a lot. She's like, you know what? Good. He needs something good in his life. And nothing nothing really good has come his way in a long time. So you know what? He's an adult. If he wants to go out and have some fun, he can go have some fun. Yeah. Which isn't the mentality I thought somebody who's like super devout or whatever um, would have. Because typically you expect them to be very judgy. <laughs> and she was not. She was actually very open about this. And I, I like that. But uh, It reminds me more of like the religious people in my family tree, I guess. <laughs> like they're more like that. Where they're very religious, but they don't judge you that much. Was it, um? but the dad though, Papa Flynn, he was kind of like, yeah. like, oh yeah, two nights in a row. We have to talk to him about that. Can't just <laughs> going around having fun, and then that's when Mama Flynn's like, "Look, like what you said, he's he's doing something. It's about time he found something to take his mind off." And then she paused, and she's like, "Well, good for him, you know. <laughs> good on her." Yeah, and even he came around quick though. He came around quick. Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, you know what?" Yeah, he starts smirking right after that. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right." <laughs> And he's just like, yeah, that's my boy. <laughs> so we cut to a very interesting scene. And I was expecting a little more from this. But I guess we're going to see more of this later. So we cut to the Gunning household. Dr. Gunning is checking her emails. And she hears a top of the morning to you behind her. And she <laughs> sees her, her mom. So her mom walks in the room. And she's looking younger than ever. It is very apparent now that she is a young lady in old person makeup because they only added a few wrinkles to her. They <laughs> gave her an old lady wig, but she looks like a young, beautiful lady. Dude, she's in there. She's wearing like she's wearing the old people clothes. But now that she looks a little younger, she just looks like kind of like a hipster. Like she doesn't <laughs> even look like an old lady. That That's slow. That's aging process the the re-aging the the youthful <laughs> i don't know what to call it like the slow rejuvenation yeah, there you go rejuvenation such a naughty word rejuvenation that slow rejuvenation I, she had it's <laughs> mm-hmm. like they did a very good job on that like it's so subtle like you see it happening every episode but it's very subtle like the wrinkles become less and less you start seeing a younger face. Uh. And she she looks super young. I mean, she she has very few wrinkles. She does not look like an old lady with dementia anymore. She's super cognizant. Um, and the doctor is rightfully in disbelief. Her, yeah. her jaw is open. And like her jaw is on the ground. Her mouth is open. She's just like, Mom? She's very this confused. Very confused and afraid of what's going on because that's not what scientifically possible to just have a reverse aging and of course you know that's in the back of her mind with everything that's going around it's like first it's like okay there might be a scientific explanation uh of why lisa can start walking again when this new priest showed up who claims that he's been giving everybody miracles but now her mother is going from not knowing where she was every day to being able to 
walk again to being able to to remember and recall things from long ago and now she's dressing herself and looking younger <laughs> yeah i'd be freaked out too it just now she's gonna look younger than her own daughter it shook her whole worldview and she's not the only non-believer who got their worldview shook <laughs> and we'll talk about that later so we don't spend too much time there um we don't spend you know, too much time with the Gunnings at all this episode. So I am really hoping to see them more in the next episode because the repercussions of that and, you know, seeing the doctor realize what's going on is going to be an exciting scene, one that I hope comes uh, shortly. So we, we cut to inside the police office and something that's happening now that I didn't even expect to happen. I don't know why I didn't. It makes sense. But we have, I think, and I, I'm going to assume the mother of the drug dealer in the sheriff's office. Yes. Or and she it, or sister, I forget. I don't know. It could be. Yeah. I really don't know. I'm assuming mother. <laughs> so she's in there and she's saying how she has she hasn't seen her brother or, you know, her she hasn't seen her relative no, for um, quite some time. Yeah, that's yeah. uh that that's his mom. You're correct. Okay, cool. So she hasn't seen her son in quite some time. And she's saying how she had to work two jobs on the mainland. So that's probably the reason why she hasn't said anything up until now. Because mm -hmm. she's not around that much. Right. Because she's busy working. But she's saying, you know, you guys are not concerned about him. Nobody's looking for him. No one even gave a crap about his disappearance. And you guys all judged him while you bought his products. <laughs> but you know what? He put food on the table because things have been really hard and I'm working two jobs and I'm doing this all alone and he's just trying to help. All right. So don't judge him. Okay. And the sheriff's like, look, lady, I'm not judging him. I'm just saying maybe he went off and disappeared and did some shady drug stuff. And she's like, shut your mouth, handsome man. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> okay. So he's just like, look, maybe bull just disappeared. And she gets cut off. She cuts him off right there. She's just like, don't call him Bull. Okay, they started calling him that when he started like selling weed. Right? And then she says his real name, but you know what? I don't remember it because his name's Bull. Billy. <laughs> Billy. <laughs> She's like, don't call him Bull. His name's Billy. All right? Mm -hmm. So she's like, if you guys really were so devout and so godly, then all of you would have shown some more concern and noticed that he wasn't even around, all right? That's why all of you are just fake. You're all fake people. You're not all real Christians, all right? You're not all people of God. And the sheriff's like, you know, I'm not a Christian. <laughs> and she's like, you know what I mean, sheriff. God. <laughs> and the sheriff's just like being super patient with her. And she's like, look, I get it. Like, uh, you know, he's just like, look, I'm doing everything I can. Um, I'm going to have a chat with people around. I've spoken to Joe Colley. He's probably the last one to see him alive. And then she's like, hey, was he sober? Because he's a huge drunk. All right. So maybe he didn't remember, but maybe he does today because he's not drunk. Because she hasn't really been caught up on current events. Right. First of all, he's been sober for a few days. Second of all, he's dead. <laughs> so he's... um. So he's he's 
you know, kind of backpedaling because she's she's coming on real strong. And he's just like, all right, no, like, I'll talk to Joe again, all right? And I'll make sure he's sober, okay? Is there anything else I can do to help you? I, I'm tired of getting screened at by <laughs> middle-aged ladies in this town. It just happens every single day. Bev is enough. I don't need another one around here. That's true. Even though you are understandable, ma'am, because you're missing a son. Um, so she yeah. uh, she caps us off by ask asking him to talk to the locals, the other islanders, about where his whereabouts because islanders always know. That spoke that that spoke to me a little bit. I don't know if it spoke yeah. to you, Jumbi, but it, it definitely spoke to me. It did. Islanders <laughs> do always know. Yeah, it's a it's a small town as island, and everybody knows everybody's everyone. yeah <laughs> yeah everybody's in everyone else's business and they all know everything there's no secrets right everyone knows yeah except you know about the fucking nosferatu flying around that's <laughs> barely knows. a secret <laughs> barely a secret we learned in this episode the whole town is privy i mean everyone knows a little bit you know well we'll discuss it when we get there they know but they don't know yeah only two and people like know. four like I think like five people know, but we will discuss it when we get there. Yeah. Um. So we we got to the church, the most important part of the town, <laughs> so far, and the plumber guy. We can call him Joe now because there's only one Joe. Um, um Sturge. Plumber Joe. <laughs> Sturge. That's what they call him. All right. Sturge. Joe Sturge, <laughs> affectionately called Sturge is putting up the sign because Beverly just can't be bothered, I guess. And he is putting up the sign for Good Friday Mass, but it's going to be at midnight. Ooh. He's uh, he's changing all his masses to midnight. And Liza's concerned. She's like, really? Is this going to be every night? Or just no more morning masses? And they're like, yeah, you know, he's still a little under the weather. He has this perpetual morning sickness thing. It's weird. <laughs> like, don't worry about it. Like, we're just gonna worship at night, all right? Like, it's not—is it a big deal? Do you like staying up late? So do I. Let's just do it. It's fine. So the the town doesn't take much convincing. They're like, yeah, whatever, and they're all about to like come to terms with coming back later. But before they do, they see some newcomers coming for morning mass, and it's Doctor Gunning and and Mama Gunning, whose first name is do you know? Um, Mildred? No. Yeah, Mildred. I feel like, I feel like it's Mildred. Yeah, because Millie, so, Millie is Mama Flynn, mm. right? And then Mildred. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Lisa's mom is looking around and she sees them, and she's like, "Oh my God, Mildred, are you serious right now? You look amazing!" And she's just like, she's seeing it not. Like, she's not seeing it like the doctor seemed to have seen it, where it's just like, okay, I, I mean, this is weird, but I'm not blown away. <laughs> Lisa's mom is seeing this like a miracle. Yeah. And it is a miracle, in a sense, because she's a young person again. Yep. She's looking like she could be a very old sister yeah. to Dr. Gunning instead of her mom at this point. I agree. And it's cr- kind of crazy. And the mom's just like, what a time to be alive. I can't believe, like, I'm, w- I'm witnessing another miracle. 
in my lifetime. This is crazy. Like she's taken by by tears. Like she she looks at Sarah uh, Sarah's mom and she just she can't help but but weep. You know, mm-hmm. her tears of joy, or maybe it's because she knows something. <laughs> maybe she does. Maybe she knows a little too much. <laughs> or is it just the mayor? I don't know. I don't know who how many people are privy. That's true. Okay. So we then move on and we see that Aaron Green, unfortunately, spent the night alone when she was supposed to be grieving and spending the night with Riley, her support system. So Aaron is so great and awesome because she gets immediately concerned. She doesn't just be like, all right, well, I guess he didn't show. I'll see him tomorrow. She immediately starts looking for him. And that's exactly what I wanted her to do. And that's what she started doing. So she starts asking around. She stops at his house first and she talks to Mama Riley. And then this is when things start to heat up in terms of tension. Because Mama Riley hasn't seen him. And she's like, quite honestly, I thought he was with you and she's like no he wasn't so now everyone's starting to realize that he's missing in action he's not here and then a little part of me in in my brain was just like they're all gonna get scared that he went to the mainland and he's just gonna go drink and do other stupid stuff and that's how they're gonna write it off but they didn't end up doing that that's just what i was scared of that's what i was scared of too but Mm -hmm. the way aaron later on reveals the way she took it i was like oh you know what that that makes more sense i'd be just as concerned as she is and you know that's something definitely to look out for in the future but um yeah so she talks to mama riley they don't know neither of them they thought they were with each other and i thought this point is like hoping and no riley's not there and we all know where riley is and it does show um aaron calling riley's cell phone earlier and you just see riley's cell phone on the floor with blood stain on the on on the floor as well and it's just vibrating over and over a little sketch Uh, a little sus and heartbreaking yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) so the sheriff is also on his own little mission because he promised um he promised billy bowles mom that he was going to find Joe Colley and ask him some questions. So he goes to his trailer, but he's not there. Yeah. So the sheriff's on his own mission to find Joe. Mm-hmm. Both of them are on their own separate missions to find two dead men. So, how oh, that hurt to say? All right, so Miss Green is continuing her search. She goes to ask Warren, and I presume the dad, but I guess anything Warren knows, the dad knows. Yeah. So she goes to ask Warren if she's seen Riley, if he's seen Riley. And, you know, obviously he hasn't. And this is when the dad realizes that Riley wasn't at Miss Green's. And he was like, ah, I was just getting proud of that kid. I can't believe it. I can't believe he's going to throw his life away again. And the dad is assuming that Riley fell off the wagon or he went to the mainland or something yeah. like that. That's what I was afraid people would think. So the dad is like confirming my worst fears here. But... Luckily, I have Aaron Green in this show, and she is not letting me down. Mm-hmm. He gets a little mad, disappointed, you know, he like stomps his fists or whatever. And then we don't really dwell on 
this scene too much. You know, he catches himself, he apologizes, and we move on from this scene. So the sheriff is continuing his search. He's making phone calls. He's trying to find Joe. Um, you know, no one's really seen Joe so far. So that search isn't going very well. But <laughs> he gets interrupted because there, the path of Mrs. Green's invest investigation coincides with his because she shows up to the police station because she is super concerned and she wants to file a semi-missing person's report because he hasn't been missing for very long, but she knows he's not here. Yeah. So her primary concern was um, uh, he hasn't been missing for long, but when an, uh, a former, well, sober person goes off and goes missing, you need to find that person. And, of course, she has to go and visit Sheriff Hassan's sexy ass because he's a sheriff. And mm -hmm. if there's anybody who can find a missing person, it's Sheriff Hassan. But unfortunately, she doesn't know that he has like four missing people on his plate and he hasn't found a <laughs> single one. So maybe he's not the best person, but he definitely is the person <laughs> to go to. He is the only person other than herself, I, I believe. It's actually, you know what, the, the mom that we saw earlier is also another good example of just like people who aren't infected, who aren't churchgoers. Right. I suppose Ali as well, unless they did his first communion off screen, but I don't think so. I don't think so either. But right now, I just, it's only the Hassan family <laughs> that's, mm -hmm. that's free from all of this. So she goes in there and she's just like, look, I know he's missing. Something's wrong. And he's like, all right, I believe you. I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to ask you a few things. And she's like, he's asked her a bunch of personal questions. He's like, are you two together? And she's like, no, not really, which I took offense to. I'm like, yes, you are. All right, <laughs> your boyfriend, girlfriend, shut up. Um, but she's like, no, not really. We've been spending a lot of time together. And he's asking her a bunch of personal questions. And she's a little reserved about it. Um, but, but he he's, explains he, it to her. Yeah, he yeah. gets read into it. It's like, look, this is, a, this is important. I don't care if he's... We could find out that he's out in a hotel, someone getting smashed, and that's all it could be. But I'm going to ask these personal questions now, or I'm really going to dig down and try to get answers later. Like, either one. So that's when Aaron starts opening up and it's like, he's been... And he also, yeah. he also reiterates that it's like, this isn't to get information or you know pry into your life i don't care about this i just really need to know his mindset because it's going to help me find him yes mm -hmm. so what does he say um so he asked her like okay it gets personal it, um were you guys oh he spent the night were you guys no we weren't doing any of that we were just we just spent the night he's been giving uh get helping me get through my uh and then she was trying to get res she was reserved about that and that's when sheriff hassan had to be like look i'm sorry i don't mean to pry but it's not for my personal benefit i need to know what's going on what's going through his head and then um she's like well we've, he's been helping me through my loss and you know she chokes up a little bit when she says that and a sheriff hassan like the moment uh 
she brings it up everybody says the words that father paul said in the previous episodes like what can you say i'm sorry god has a plan uh i'm here for you that's all really you can say Mm -hmm. and everybody that she's like told that to has said i'm I'm sorry (laughs) i'm here for you (laughs) and that's all you you can't can't say say (laughs) yeah so so yeah she she starts talking about it and then uh, it's like oh what would you guys talk about uh that uh that night it's like oh we were just opening up to each other um it's like okay, what about earlier? Like, I need to know his mindset. I need to know where his head's at. What would what, you guys talk about? She was silent. She was trying to bite her tongue, but Sheriff Hassan's like, look, he could be in a hotel getting smashed. We need to know like where his head's at. He could he could be relapsing right now. You know, mm-hmm. did what he talked about, and then she's like, death. We talked about death, and Sheriff Hassan rightfully is like what he have to say about death and Aaron said he was okay with it like he seemed normal talking about death and there it is when you when something traumatic like that ha- um something traumatic like that happens like it happened to Riley you uh and you're talking about death freely it's so it's it's kind of um no it is a red, uh, a red flag a red flag yes thank you I was gonna say a warning shot no it's a red flag mm-hmm. somebody's talking so freely about death even they could have the biggest smile on their face uh that at that point it's it's he's on suicide watch and if you can get to that person ASAP <laughs> then go go to that person ASAP. You know, make sure mm-hmm. they're okay. It's not. I did mention that, like, last episode, Riley struck me as a type who who would wouldn't want to be alive forever because we were speculating on his fate last episode, and he did strike me as a type who's like maybe he doesn't want to die necessarily, but he also seems like the type who doesn't mind if he does die. You know, like yeah. he wouldn't want to be here forever. He he definitely wants a rest. Yeah. and to this this life he has i've been saying this every podcast so he has survival skill survivor's guilt right yeah and we actually well we dive more into that later but he has the survivor's guilt and he seems to me to be the type where he deserves every he thinks he deserves every punishment and you know that's debatable um but he definitely believes that he deserves every punishment that goes with his way and the mindset is taking his own life is the easy way out. Mm-hmm. He needs to be punished for what he did. And he doesn't seem the type that would take his own life mm-hmm. necessarily. But if the opportunity came, you know, he'd welcome it with he, open arms. Yeah. Cause he's been through a lot and yeah. a lot of people have been through trauma. Like it's just kind of their mentality about it. Yeah. So Yeah. She was very Another, concerned, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they continue the conversation, and then she's like, he's like, um, when was the last time you saw him? Or something like that. And then she's like, he was going to his AA meeting. Mm-hmm. And 
he's like, uh, I think she mentions he's going to the AA meeting with Father Paul and Joe Colley. Yeah. And he's like, with Joe Colley? Like, he's, he perks up yeah. and kind of, like, breaks his little poker face because he's interested in finding Joe Colley. And he didn't really mention to her who he was looking for. So she's like, oh, my God, a lead. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see how far Sheriff Hassan gets in his investigation, if they'll ever let him find out the truth or if we'll yeah. end the episodes and all the episodes will pass and he'll never actually figure out the truth. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, he got a lead right there and it's pointing him toward Father Paul. So I'm interested to see that confrontation go down oh, between yeah. the self-righteous, blood-sucking Father Paul and handsome man, Sheriff Hassan Van Helsing. <laughs> That's a good way. Uh, I, I read somebody called um, Father Paul Vampire Paul. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Vampire Paul. <laughs> so, yeah, they discuss a few more things. Um, she tells him a bit more about their relationship with each other, things like that. And he gets a bunch of information. And anything else important happens, to your knowledge? No, I think it was from then on, you know, um, the suicide watch was important. Um, Father, Father Paul and Joe Colley in the same A, um, and Riley were all in the same A meeting together, hosted by Father Paul. He wasn't, <laughs> he should be, but he wasn't. Um, he was hosting it. And that's it. Um, yeah. All that was good enough for Sheriff Rasan's sexy ass. So he, he can go upon his investigation and find the people that's been missing. <laughs> Forgotten cool. for the past week, uh, he just learned all this. Yeah. So we, um, I was in his defense. This is a fishing town. Maybe they're out, you know, on a fishing thing. I used to watch that that History Channel show about the fishermen oh, who'd yeah. be out for a couple days. So maybe it takes a couple days. He doesn't know that he's missing necessarily, and nobody really talks about the bold drug dealer man. So yeah. you know. I don't blame Sheriff Hassan for not noticing. <laughs> I don't either. So we cut to Midnight Mass. <gasps> dun, dun. So Midnight Mass is happening. Everyone's in the pews, filled to the brim. No one looks tired. I'm always tired if I go to Midnight Mass, but nobody there seems tired. Riley is not with his family, obviously. And his dad's upset. He's just like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what to do about this. And the mom's just like, relax. He's going to come. Have faith. Everything's fine. La, 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 la. Because the mom's in a great mood all the time now. Uh, the altar boys are in the back prepping the wine. And in comes Father Paul. The first time we see him this episode. And we were all kind of anxious to see Father Paul or see what happened to Riley, because last episode kind of left us, you know, on a really sad note. <laughs> so Father Paul walks in, he fills the rest of the wine jug, because the boys filled it with wine, and he's filling it with the ultra-special wine that he brought <laughs> in himself. Oh, yeah. That everyone doesn't question. We, um, uh, I like to take this opportunity to... Um to say that Phantoms of the Silver Screen is sponsored by Nosferatu Juice. <laughs> Next time, if uh, if your if your knees are popping a little bit too much, having trouble remembering why you walked into a certain room, mm -hmm. the throat's a little dry. If you need to, 
you need to find peace yeah yes uh if you need for to forgive your son because you resented him all these years nosferatu <laughs> juice <laughs> available at a <laughs> at, at at a croc town near you <laughs> yeah we're you working on that we're working on the sales pitch don't worry <laughs> mm-hmm. the ending of this podcast will just be an infomercial for that <laughs> So, we actually don't have sponsors. If you have any, send them. Send some our way. It'll be amazing. <laughs> All right. So, we are still at the church. People are coming into the pews. Not everybody's there yet, though, because we have some latecomers, and they are Mildred Gunning mm-hmm. and Sarah Gunning. Ooh. I believe her name is Dr. Gunning. Yes, Dr. Gunning. They're attending church because Mildred is obviously roaring to get out of the house because she is young and ready to go right to midnight mass so they're out of bed past bedtime past curfew and they are there and unfortunately they get stopped from going inside the church by beverly so beverly is in the scene and she's staring at mildred and she's like as i live and breathe (laughs) mildred i can't believe it's you i've heard about it but just to see it with my own eyes another miracle oh my god and Mildred has this expression that's like, oh, my God, ew, it's Beverly. Yeah. Oh, my God, I hate Beverly. But she doesn't say anything because she's a polite old lady inside. Yes. And she's like, Beverly Keen, wow. And Beverly <laughs> hugs her. And she's like, okay, I'll <laughs> allow this. Because I just don't think they're friends. I, I think Beverly's being I, a little weird. There's there's a story there for sure. Yeah. There's, there's a reason. Some... And I can't, for the, like, I want to know what, you know. As um, Beverly and Joe Colley went to school together, but was Sarah part of that group? I don't know. Mm, I don't Sarah, know. like the doctor? Yeah, Dr. Sarah. Maybe. There's some relationship between Beverly, because Beverly's Beverly could be old, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, You can't tell because Joe and Beverly looked old and young <laughs> at the same time. I mean talk about vampires like yeah. beverly can be any age she could be yeah. ancient she could be a young person i don't understand her mm. she acts like an old person for sure yeah so we are walking inside um after this awkward scene with beverly everyone goes inside and you know church starts they start doing the opening prayers and all that and it's kind of led by Lisa's mom, she says the opening gospel for everyone. They all praise the Lord. And then Father Paul kicks off this crazy speech. (laughs) So this speech is about Good Friday and like how Good Friday. um, What was he saying about Good Friday? It's about how Good Friday was. Say it. Say it. you do it because I, I can't remember at the time once again because he said so many things once again we can't do this justice because i know i can't i, I can't, can't find even, the words you, you know what like i keep we keep calling father paul and he, and he his plays, name is monsignor yeah <laughs> but um the the actor we need to give him all the freaking credit in the world because he does such a good job like a hamish link ladder Sorry if I butcher your name, Hamish. Um, I think it's pronounced Hamish. Hamish. Big fan, Hamish, if you are listening. 
<laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he's he does such a good job of just these these sermons that they, that they do that Father Paul does really just captivates everybody. You see everybody in the audience is nodding along to what he's saying. And then we we see Mildred just being like looking around like are you are you serious? And everybody's just yeah. But the gist of what um what uh Father Paul was telling everybody was that we're, we're all part of God's army, you know. But he first he thanks the the troops for fighting for God and fighting for our country. But mm-hmm. and he says and he's like and if you're offended by his next statement, well, it's too damn bad because I'm gonna say it. Uh, mm-hmm. We uh, when, God doesn't want you fighting for your country. Yeah, God doesn't want you fighting for your country. God you wants you fighting for Him because we all. The world believes in God, and that's what we should be fighting for. When God call up, calls upon you to to be part of his army, you enlist. You enlist. He doesn't have to force you. You're not going to be drafted, but you in your heart, if you're part of God's army, you enlist right away. Um, And it doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Just... uh doesn't matter what God asks you to do. Every scripture, every book has God telling you to do unthinkable see, uh, things for God, whether it's to prove your loyalty or to you, that the necessary evil to create your character, like character development, all that stuff. Look at Jesus Christ. Look what he did, had to endure. Well, I don't I think he says that later, but definitely... Uh, all these other instances where when when God asks you to join his army, you enlist pretty much a nice As, rally um, rally speech, I don't know, rah rah <laughs> speech and everybody's nodding, they're like, Yeah. And mm-hmm. and it's very cryptic because as the audience we know what he means, but it could everybody in the audience uh, and that that's going to church can take it as a metaphor. Be part of the whole congregation. Yeah, takes it as a metaphor. Yeah, like, except for Mildred. Uh, and uh, uh, Bev, and yeah, uh, Sturge, and um, the mayor. All three of them are there, and they're nodding, kind of in reluctance, because it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, God's um. God's calling me to do some horrible things, and I did it. Uh, there's a body in the ocean that I put there myself. <laughs> and you know, Beverly's Beverly's sick. Like, yeah, that's right. God called me. I'm ready. Beverly's like, I was already doing this kind of stuff. <laughs> like, it's not a big deal, guys. This is just another Sunday to me. <laughs> God was calling for me before you all, you know? Like, I'm ahead of the game. And Father Paul was on fire. He was saying stuff like, like morality changes according to Jesus's will. Oof. So you have to change too. Yep. Cuz you don't get to decide what what's good and what's wrong. You just you just follow orders. Yeah. Like you are a soldier, but your commander is God. And God's will changes all the time and you just have to adjust and do whatever it is. It's kind of it's kind of wild the stuff he was saying. <laughs> and everyone was just nodding like, "Yeah, this is the best thing I ever heard." 
<laughs> and it was kind of interesting to see Mildred's face yeah. change because at the beginning she was smiling up at him with like this love in her eyes because she's like, oh my God, it's the handsome young priest who I once fell for and had a child with illegitimately. <laughs> Secretly. But she, she's just like disturbed by the end of it because it is disturbing. He's like, you guys have to do whatever God tells you to do. <laughs> you have to fight for him and you have to do gross, disgusting things. All right. Good. I'm out. And he oh, like, yeah. drops. And he just fucking walks off. He's like, good. We're good. All right. Bye. And just walks away. <laughs> and I'm like, that's it. Mm-hmm. What a mic drop. He just. Yeah. Yeah. Just walks out and walks out. Uh, walks off stage and walks outside. Goes back to his uh, <laughs> his little coffin house. That's what we're going to call it. But yeah. Mildred. Mildred's the first one out. Yep. She storms off. She definitely didn't wait for the priest to leave. Those of you that don't go to church um, ever or ever, like yeah. never been there, you always wait for the priest to leave. But then mm-hmm. some people don't because they want to get, you know, a head start on the traffic <laughs> and go. But like it makes the priest really mad if you do that. You're supposed to wait. Oh, so she didn't do that. She just stormed out and she she ran out the church and she's followed by her daughter who's like, you know, trying to keep up with her. And I guess a little surprised, like, damn, mom, how are you walking? <laughs> like, this is crazy. Two weeks ago, your hips were broken. This is wild. Yeah. And Mildred's just like, look, Sarah, I don't want you coming back to this church ever. Okay, this is not my church, and that is not the man I knew. And then I guess in Sarah's mind, she's like, all right, Mom. I mean, you don't really know that guy. He's a brand new priest. Crazy <laughs> lady. Oh, that's true. That's right. That didn't hit me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, that... mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I guess Sarah could chalk it up to like, okay, maybe she's not fully better. Maybe she is a little loopy, you mm-hmm. know? That's true. I don't know what's going on in Sarah's mind, really. <laughs> so, yeah. After church is over, we wrap up there. We see Miss Green getting some well-deserved sleep, but she gets disturbed by a knock on the door. And let me tell you, when Rip and I were watching this scene and that knock came, <laughs> I was like listing off things that it could be. <laughs> I thought it would be a million different things, and I couldn't decide. Within like the five seconds it took her to get it, I had a billion different theories. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's going to be Sheriff Hassan. They're going to have a little team-up buddy cop action, <laughs> and they're going to go look for Joe, Joe and um, Riley's body. And then I was like, oh, maybe it's Nosferatu coming to get her. Yo, for maybe real. it's... <laughs> just knocking. Uh, Nosferatu just knocks on the door. It's time. Imagine that scene. That would be amazing. He just puts his finger next to his lips and he's like, shh, shh, shh. shut up. Come with me. Uh, and she does because he's a vampire and he has a lore. Yeah. I was like thinking maybe, you know, it could be any number of things. Could have been the father. Mm-hmm. It could have been Riley. Um, it could have been a bunch of things. Maybe Riley made it somehow. She opens the door and it is Riley. And I jumped out of my chair. I was like, yes. Riley, you're alive. <laughs> and then I was thinking, but this is a dream sequence because I can't have the things I want. I know Riley <laughs> can't be here right now. Uh, Ry- Riley looked fresh. He looked mm-hmm. like he just got out of the shower. Like he didn't just get bitten in the neck. He looked, I would say, at peace. Yep. You know, he looked at peace. He looked very non-traumatized. <laughs> Which is not how I expected to see him if I was going to see him at all. I was I was expecting to either see Riley's corpse, like we saw Joe's corpse, or I was going to see Riley in a panic, you know? Yeah. I didn't expect to see calm Riley. That was the last thing I expected. 
Well, we got it. Calm, Riley. So she opens the door in a fury. She's like, where were you? (laughs) And he's just like, I'm sorry. And she's like, do not tell me you're sorry. You have to tell me where you were, you horrible man who made me worry about you. I made a police report and everything. I'm such a good person. (laughs) And he was just like, look, I can explain everything. I just need you to come with me. Remember when we were kids? I would just like sneak into your window and we'd go out and row out to sea. Um, I just need you to do that again with me and I'll explain everything. Trust me, please. Just just this once, trust me. And Aaron Green's like, yeah, all right, fine. Let's go. So they go. <laughs> <laughs> they go out to sea and I'm a little nervous because yep. I thought this was going to be a dream sequence and it wasn't. And they're out on the boat. I wasn't. And that's not yeah. what made me nervous. <laughs> what made what didn't uh what what made you nervous? Well, just like I theorized last episode, so it's not really a spoiler. I theorized this. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, now that I said it was a spoiler, so yeah, it's a spoiler. Um, yeah, he if he was gonna come back, he was gonna come back, uh, Nosferatu style, Father Paul style, with the blood of Nosferatu right there. I theorized that, uh, yeah, he he. He got eight, but there's just a whole vial of Nosferatu's blood in the corner. Father Paul was going to bring him back. That's why he was just so chill. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid that 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 bloodlust that Father Paul had, um, Riley was going to have. And he was just going to be like, he's like, I'm going to turn you into a vampire too, kind of-esque thing, without actually saying it. He's like, what's happened to me is great. I don't feel guilty. I don't feel anything anymore about all the things that've been bothering me. I know you're grieving. If you join me, you won't feel the grief anymore. I thought some show like that was gonna happen. Like join me. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. But they. Get, he was gonna get seduced by the dark side. Yeah. Do it. Do it. So um. They paddle out. They're in a little boat, reminiscing mm-hmm. of uh. Riley's dreams where he's just out in the middle of the boat and his last dream was the two of them sitting together and it's just I guess that was foreshadowing because here we are with that same scenario that same scene Mm -hmm. and it's just nothing there's silence and Aaron has to break the silence right she says um the trust goes a long way she trusts uh she trusted him to come out here in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> in the middle of the sea. And he's not saying anything, so he kind of wants to know what's up. I think this is the part, right? Yeah. At this point, she she's like, look, you've been there for me, and you never pushed. You never really pried. You mm-hmm. waited for me to come to you. And I really appreciated that. I'm trying to do the same for you, but I'm telling you, I'm not as strong as you. I, I got to know. <laughs> I got to know what happened. Like, what is this all about? You got to tell me right now. Yeah. And then he kind of spirals into this story that almost seems like unrelated, but then he ties it in later. So he's he's talking about, you know, like for, you know, like from the beginning of man, we all looked up at the sky in wonder. And, you know, man used to just be really simple. We would just 
be hunter gatherers and we'd make little campfires and cook our food and at night we'd look over and we'd see a campfire in the distance and we know there's people over there and we'd see campfires everywhere and then we would look up and we see these these things in the sky we don't know what stars are at that point they don't know anything about space we just thought as men think like okay those must be campfires because those are the only types of lights i've ever seen i wonder what kind of people are out there and he theorizes that like that's probably where every thought about god came from it was just you know those have to be other people out there what are they like and all the you know mythology from every culture stems from that idea that common idea that men have when they look up at the stars yeah and aaron green's like yeah but you know i asked you a question (laughs) you didn't answer me so (laughs) it was poetic it was nice yeah it was cute it was cute So, yeah. Then he goes on to say, look, I'm going to tell you a story. And you're not going to believe me. But I'm going to tell it to you anyway. And she's like, fair enough. (laughs) So, we get what we've all been waiting for. What the hell happened to Riley Flynn? This will tell you. I'm loving this series because the moment you think of something, the next episode, they addressed it. They Mm -hmm. They don't tug anything they know they have seven episodes how can we and they're doing it very nicely where it's just tucking all these like the moment you want something more you get it and they're not putting too much on your plate it's just enough like they feed you they make you satisfied but in that food there's like a diet pill that makes you hungry again or i don't know like some kind of drug pop brownie doesn't matter you're hungry mm-hmm. again, and you want more food, and they feed you. They don't feed you right away, mm-hmm. but they feed you, and it's like, oh, I'm really hungry. And it's a good metaphor because it ties into what happens in this, in this, uh, in this flashback, I guess. Yeah, you're just having a hunger pang for blood, and they bring <laughs> out bring out a little tiny goblet of blood, but they don't give you a whole person yet. They tease it. <laughs> so. He goes into his story, and he talks about what happened to him. Oh, yeah. And this was a great, great scene. Shout out, like, um, I talked about Hamish. Hamish? Hamish. Hamish. (laughs) But uh, the actor for Riley Flynn, spectacular as well. All the acting really is good. And I really do want to see more miniseries, because it just seems like instead of trying to meet an episode number... We're just trying to tell the full story in the time that we have. Like it, it feels like when you're writing an essay for school and you just insert fluff into it, that's like every other show. Yeah. But this one's like somebody's doing a passionate essay and they they overdo it. They go they go past the the page count or the word count because of just how much they had to say. <laughs> and they had to squeeze it into this little piece of paper. Yeah. And that's what these miniseries feel like. Like everything's important and I love it. The um there was a time, like I want to say, like when I say time, like two or three years ago, that miniseries started becoming popular. Like TNT and TBS had these little miniseries going on. What was it? Um, I forgot the one with that uh, Chris Pines, where it started talking about the. I want to say the Black Dahlia murders. Really? Like he was an oh, investigator. He's an investigator for some of the one of the murders. Um, 
down in Cali. That was a really good one. And, that was good. Yeah. Uh, it's Chris Pines, you know. <laughs> and yeah, they're like, there's some other miniseries that I can't quite put my tongue on it, but like they they get these kick-ass actors and then just throw them into a miniseries and just um on like network t- network or cable tv and they do an outstanding job and it, it's like we can't hire you and pay you uh like movie theater money for like five seasons so we're just gonna do this quick miniseries and we'll pay you like mm, the same amount i guess i don't know but it's it works out better because like with Game of Thrones, for example, they have to pay those actors like millions of dollars per yeah. episode or like a million dollars every episode. Yeah. And that's costly. <laughs> but with this, you have seven episodes. You can only spend so much money. You don't have time for it to build up a bunch of clout and, you know, become a really important show. And then you have to up the prices for everything. Yeah. It's just one and done and it's perfect the way it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, back to the, what everyone cares about. <laughs> Riley is waking up. He, we cut to the same night, the night that broke my heart last episode. Mm-hmm. Riley was attacked and his blood's all over the floor, his head sideways because it was jerked to the side because he was being fed upon by Nosferatu. And we see Father Paul over him and he picks, Father Paul picks up his phone from the pool of blood that's now dried. And he's speaking to Riley and he's coaxing him. He's, he's trying to be comforting but this is the least comforting scene you've ever seen in your life. He's <laughs> there with a broken neck and a pool of blood. And he's like, no, 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 you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. You know, everything's going to be great. Um, and then as he's like consoling him, he's slowly breaking his neck back in place. Yes. <laughs> he goes, and you hear it crack and it's like, Ugh, yeah. and he's just like cracking it back. And Riley's like, <gasps> like he's freaking out, but not saying anything. And Father Paul just keeps ranting on, and he's like, look, 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 did I tell you? Did I tell you I have a sister? He's just trying to say anything at this point. Yeah. He's like, I used to have a sister. Her name was Alice. And I don't know if this is important, but I'm going to mention it anyway. <laughs> so I used to have a sister named Alice. And, you know, when I was very young, like eight years old, she died of polio, which is a sign that this man is super old because polio was able to get a cure a while ago, like back in the 50s. Yeah. So... He must have been real old if she died of polio. So his sister Alice died of polio, and that's what kind of put him on his path to find God because he was kind of scared of death. And he didn't have a very good relationship uh, with death or whatever, so he, he found God to kind of deal with that. So he was just saying, you know, you're going to be okay, Riley. He kept talking about that and his experience with death. And how death doesn't affect him anymore. And it doesn't affect Riley anymore either. So everything's going to be okay. Which is the last thing I think Riley wanted to hear. Because Riley isn't the I want to be a mortal type. At least I don't think so. And now I know so. So Riley got his neck broken back into place. We lose a little bit more time. um, And Riley wakes up. And when he wakes up, he sees the boldest man in the world. Father is sitting there, just like it's an AA meeting, in his foldable chair, reading the Bible. And he's like, take a seat, Riley, just like he would at the normal, you know, AA meeting. And Riley's like, I am out of here. And he (laughs) 
books it. He opens the door, runs out, and he instantly starts sizzling from the sun. Oh, yeah. The sun hits his skin, and he's just sizzling. And Father Paul pulls him back inside to save him. My favorite, now, my favorite thing was as soon as when he was about to go out, Father Paul's like, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, seeing and feeling is believing. So this is where I want to do a little bit of speculation here. Like, why is Riley burning? Nobody else is burning. Why Riley? Why is he turning so fast? I didn't really get it. Because um, not even Father Paul burned right away. That's true. He was in the. Yeah. Uh, he was in the sun. Yeah, he was in the sun for a while until he wasn't in the sun. So here's my idea on this, because I have an idea, but I just wanted to point that out to you. Did you think that was a little weird? Um, I suspected it was going to be quick and easy. Quick and easy. I thought I suspected his turn was going to be like right away. Uh, my theory was that, uh. And Father Paul kind of suspected it, suspected, um, kind of hinted at it that the the blood of the quote unquote angel, the Nosferatu juice, um, has been putting you at your peak, but because Riley's already young, his peak is not that, not that far, so probably that's why it happened so fast. So. Here's my ideas. The, the blood of Nosferatu, I don't know. I don't think it happened fast for Riley because he's young. Because I know Warren, my boy Warren, is taking the blood of Nosferatu regularly. Yeah. And he's not burning in the sun. Liza is not burning in the sun. I know she had a lot of healing to do. But, you know, that's been done for a while. And she's not sizzling yet. What What Father Paul mentioned at one point, and I think is the case here, is when... When Father Paul died, he started feeling these effects. Because he died. He suffocated or something to death. And that's when he couldn't go out into the sun anymore. Oh, yeah. It's when that's... he choked yeah. to death. Yeah. And Riley clearly just died. Yeah. But he came back. So now he can't go out in the sun anymore. I think these other people would have to die yeah. in order to become like fully-fledged vampires. Because they still have blood running through their veins. And the evidence of that is shown later in the episode that where we, we see the blood pumping. True. Father Paul so I think I, and yeah. Riley were resurrected. And that's the mm-hmm. difference. They came back from death. Because Father Paul was about to die and so was Riley. In the same fashion, you know. Yeah. And they were bought Riley was almost in the same fashion too. I think originally Father Paul didn't even die when Nosferatu fed on him. He was just converted into a vampire. But I think Riley literally died Hmm. and was brought back. And I I think Father Paul officially died that night he suffocated to death. And I I still kind of think that Beverly poisoned him. And that's why he died like that. Yeah, I don't think it was because he wasn't feeding. I think he just died because I think he was feeding long before that because he he had enough wherewithal to kind of spike the the wine in everybody's cup every morning for church. So I think he was just taking a little bit for himself too and sustaining himself, but he got poisoned by Beverly. No, that's awesome. That's a great freaking theory that you just blew mm-hmm. my mind right now. And I'm sure everybody listening, everybody listening is like, what the fuck? They haven't figured this shit out yet? We're sorry, okay? Yeah. <laughs> well, if, 
if people are listening, they, they probably watched the whole series and they're just like stupid <laughs> idiot boys. This is not where it goes. Wait, they don't even predict the aliens. <laughs> We're figuring it out as we go, all right? We're sorry. This is right after, okay? It's hard to think about on the spot. We didn't even have an hour to think about this. We did not. <laughs> uh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, that makes so much sense That because he, he died. We still think Beverly poisoned him. Uh, that, I'm mm-hmm. not, even if we get proven wrong, I'm still going to be like, nah, but she has something to do with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Riley tries to run outside. He's burning because he's a fully-fledged vampire at this point. And my theory is that it's because he died. So Father pulls him inside, and he's like, yeah, sorry, I probably should have warned you about that. But you know what? It's not a mistake that you make twice. <laughs> so you'll never do that again, will you, buddy? Super wrong about that. So Father consoles him, and he's like, look, the bites in your neck healed in a manner of hours. I'm sure that burn's going to be away pretty quickly. Like, you're going to be fine. And Riley's just trying to soak all this in, like, what the hell is happening? I was mauled to death, and now I'm burning in the sun. Like, his he's horrified and he's acting perfectly because i don't know how you're supposed to portray somebody who's attacked by a vampire in real life who's a non-believer but he did as be- a good a job as anybody could do because yeah. he looked he looked terrified <laughs> so father paul's just like sit and you're gonna be glad you did you gotta sit where else are you gonna go you're gonna go outside no you're not so riley's like Right? I mean, he's still in shock. He's like, I guess I'll sit. And Father Paul's like, let's start with serenity. And Riley's like, are you fucking serious right now? You want to do prayers at this moment? This this isn't... this. What is wrong with you? And Father Paul just carries on. He's like, no, for real. Serenity, it applies to us really, really well. All right? So sit your ass down, and we're <laughs> going to pray. Okay? Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Amen. And serenity. Mm -hmm. So he's like, let's start. Um, When I was younger, I was a pastor at a small, small church. And Father Paul continues to say that I had a brand new altar boy when I was starting out. He was like nine or ten, and he was a super smart kid. And that smart little altar boy came to me um, after the mass. I was talking about resurrection and all that because it was Easter times. And the boy brought this little mouse to me that he caught in a trap. And that little mouse had a broken leg and it was like barely attached and his tail was gone. And he was mm-hmm. not soon for this world. And that little boy was like, look. Jesus came back and was resurrected. Can you resurrect this mouse? Because, you know, if you can bring Jesus back, you could bring this little mouse back. It shouldn't be that hard. And the father was like, yes, of course I could. (laughs) So Father Paul, you know, took the box with the dead mouse (laughs) and Riley cuts him off and he's like, yes. And three days later, it was alive. And Father Paul's like, yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And Riley's like, yeah, well, it wasn't a miracle that brought him back. And Father Paul was like, well, he was resurrected. 
and in three days because it did take me three days to get rid of that dead mouse and go and catch me a real (laughs) living mouse and replace it in that box it did take me that long to do and that was god acting through me all right so who's to say he wasn't resurrected because god acted through me to do that and it brought that little boy you know what a decade of faith of undoubting faith and belief in god wasn't that worth it that little lie and Riley's like, look, man, how do you know my story? How long have you been like reading up about me? I don't really talk about that to anyone. I don't know if Monsignor told you that, but come on, man. And and Father Paul's like, cut the shit, Riley. Like, you know who I am. All right? You know who I am. And Riley's like, who are you? And he's like, you know who I am. So Riley has to admit that. He knows that this is Father Pruitt. Monsignor, baby. Monsignor Pruitt. But it's kind of hard to comprehend. So Riley's still just like shaking his head. And he's like, nah, I can't really believe that. (laughs) This seems so heavy, man. How were you feeling in this conversation they were having? Like, I knew uh, at, at this point, Riley had to know that that was Monsignor. But at the same mm-hmm. time, like, everything just got challenged in front of him, right? Mm-hmm. And he talks about, he talks about Nosferatu. He's like, what was that? What was that thing, you know? Like, he can't forget that. He he saw something outwardly, outworldly, right? And mm-hmm. as, as it was feeding on his neck, I think he got a good look at it. <laughs> So there's no doubt about it that it's uh, Riley's like that, that. That's a thing. That's a monster, and you're just hanging out with that freaking thing, like. So monsters are real. Monsignor is back as a in his youth. He mm-hmm. died that night. He knows he died, and he just woke up. So everything's getting challenged. Like everything that he believed in, is getting challenged. And Father Paul is hoping to uh, have him see the light. Him. Like, what'd you say? It it's it sounds like he's trying to save him. Yeah. Because people call it saving you when they like convert you to the religion. Yeah. So that's that's what it sounds like. Father Paul is trying to redeem him, trying to save him. Yeah, like like you were like you start saying all the techniques that you would use, but mostly that. Uh, you can't deny it anymore. You've seen the miracles. And and this is what I love about this scene. We've we talked about how Father Paul has kind of been delusioned and calling Nosferatu um a an angel. Right? Mm-hmm. And as soon as and he said that in his old age, like as he got bit in his neck and as he was saying the prayer, he called it an angel and his old mind we we all knew that he wasn't all there at that age. Um, he called. He saw the wings, and it just hit him as he was reading a, uh, reciting a prayer, and uh, out loud. That it has wings, therefore it's an angel, and he just brought all of this back. And he's like, it's it's part. But Riley's the straight man to this, right? Mm-hmm. He saw everything. He knows what's going on, and. He's just like, that is not a fucking angel, <laughs> you know? But 
that's not what's important to him i think at this point i think he needs to know what the fuck is going on and he's trying to get that from father paul yeah also father paul refers to him um as if he's like doubting thomas doubting thomas is like one of the characters in the Bible who just doubted everything mm-hmm. that what that um, all the miracles that Jesus did and stuff, he needed to see things with his own eyes mm-hmm. in order to believe it. And, you know, a lot of people are like that. But doubting Thomas was the only one who actually got his evidence, you know. Oh. So Jesus came and he's like, look, Thomas, like put your hand, put your finger through the stigma, the stigmata, the hole in his hand. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, feel for yourself. I was dead and now I'm back. And Father Doubting Thomas got proof. And that's the same thing that happens with Riley. Like he doubted everything, but now he has proof of the miracles because he's one of them now. Yeah. And he's like, isn't it fortuitous? What made you come back? Because Riley, I've been wondering all day, why did you come back to the rec center? Because I've known you your whole life. Because like we've established, I'm Monsignor Pruitt. Yeah. I've known you your whole life what possessed you to come walking here in the middle of the night? Cause that's just not like you. Yeah. Were you called? Did you feel a, a calling to come here? He was so happy and too. Right. Like you saw like, did you hear a voice tell you to come? Like, th- th- was it inside you? Like what caused you to come? He was so happy cause he was wanting, he wanted to hear the, <laughs> the words. Yes. Something, something inside me told me to come back and I came back, mm-hmm. but that's not why he came back. Nope. Flynn, Riley Flynn just says, Joe Colley's sister. And the realization kind of kills the buzz that (laughs) Monsignor had. And Monsignor's just like, I lied to you about that. And I'm deeply sorry. I really apologize for lying to you about that. The man who just let him get converted into a vampire (laughs) is just like, oh, sorry for lying to you. That was really bad. I feel remorse about that. Sorry about that. Yeah. Please forgive me. Actually, he begs for forgiveness. And I was like, this man's so bold. That's Father Pruitt for you. And he's like, look, this today only, like today from now on, complete and total honesty, I will never lie to you. You know everything. Everything's out in the open now. Okay? So this is a truth circle. All right? We're just going to tell the truth. And I'm not going to say anything that's dishonest to you ever again. I'm sorry. Joe was suffering. He was always suffering for for no reason. And, you know, after the accident, he just was a shell of a man. And he was never coming back. So I'm sorry. Um, Joe Colley was called home. And Riley sees through that through that bullshit real quick, and he's just like, "You killed Joe, <laughs> you murderer! You killed the man!" And Father Paul is just like, "Look, it's done. He's dead. I can't change it. Serenity. What do you want me to do, kid?" Serenity now, serenity now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you have to accept the things that you can't change. All right, that's why I told you serenity. All right. I told you it was fitting. And Riley's just like spiraling. Like, this is fucking crazy. He's like, this man is quoting scripture about his murder. Hmm? You you murdered Joe Colley. That was in the past, Riley. All right? You keep bringing up the past. And oh, I'm talking about the past. I'm talking about the future. Okay? You keep focusing on, on, on this. And I'm not talking about this. 
<laughs> that's essentially uh, his argument. <laughs> Riley, that, that was that was so twelve hours ago. All right, just get with it. Get with the times. Yes, I killed. Riley was. I killed somebody, but we can't change that. So why dwell on it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he hits him with a real burn later, where he's just like, "I'm not the only person in this room who's killed somebody." Riley. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, oh, that's such a technique. Oh. That's such a technique. <laughs> it's like, Two mic drops in yeah. one in one episode. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Can you can you say you never killed somebody? Oh, yeah. you can't? You can't? Then you better shut the fuck up. <laughs> so yeah. Um so yeah, so he calls um but that's later. Right now he's questioning why he killed Father Paul. I mean why Father mm-hmm. Paul killed Joe. Yeah. And he's questioning why he killed Joe and he also has a bigger question. He's just like what the hell was that thing <laughs> from last night? And I've been dying for him to scream that. He's like, what the fuck was that thing last night? Ah! And then Father I mean, Monsignor Pruitt is like, it was an angel. It was an angel. And before we can get even further into this conversation, something terrible happens. Bev enters the room. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. It had to happen. It had to happen. I wish it was Nosferatu himself, but no, it was actually Bev. I would have preferred Nosferatu to come in and explain everything, but no, Bev comes in and starts explaining everything. Mm-hmm. Bev just walks in and she's just like, oh, did I interrupt something? <laughs> Hi, boys. You look a little worse for wear. La, 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 la. Um, and then she's like, yeah, well, Monsignor was even a little pink in the cheeks you know whatever whatever uh she just wanted to let him know that sturgis is ready um whenever you need him and father paul's like no i'm actually doing something right now bev uh he kind of just woke up and you're kind of butting in so (laughs) if you can just give me a minute and then maybe i'll let you know when we're ready all right how about that how about that sunshine and she's just like um are you gonna be ready kind of soon because like i have things to do and you guys are just going a little slow and she's being super pushy and inserting herself into this. And Father Paul's like, you know what? Actually, it's good that you're here, Bev, because I have the perfect job for you. And I've been wanting to do this for a while. Come over here, Bev. You're going to be live bait. So she he puts Bev right in front of Riley. And Riley's like, what are you doing? Like, I the last thing I want in this world is to be closer to Bev. Like, please don't do this. It's true. And... He sits Riley into the chair and Riley looks a little scared because he's like, why is Beverly close to me? And he starts hearing Beverly's heartbeat and it's beating really, really loudly in his ears. And Father Paul, Monsignor, whatever his name is, Hmm. is just like, listen to it, Riley. Listen to the heartbeat. And he focuses on it and he hears it and he kind of sees red. He kind of sees her pulse pulsating in her neck, in her arteries. And it's it's getting hard to to not see it. And he's just focusing on it, focusing on it. And he's making Bev get closer and closer. And then as 
Bev's face is really close to his. He can just see her pulse going and his eyes kind of glaze over. And then he just jumps at her and tries to attack her. And no, I know what you're thinking. It's not because he just wants to kill Bev for being Bev, because I thought that too. (laughs) But I think what really happened there was that he had the hunger. Oh, yeah. Since he's a fully fledged vampire, he wants to bite into her neck and drink her blood. Like he he had the hunger. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not happening to the rest of the town, but as my theory goes, they didn't die yet. They didn't become fully fledged vampires, and dying is part of that process. He the um, father Father Paul definitely uh, was holding back Riley the entire time, as he was beckoning Bev to, to go closer. So as when Riley couldn't take it anymore and he started lunging at her, he held uh, he he held her um he held Riley back, told Bev she can leave and she's like eh, walked away all on her merry little self, all happy mm-hmm. whatever she's like I was useful, at least, and uh, it was just pretty much telling him like like at that point Riley's the hunger pains the stomach pains start start getting to Riley he could barely stand and. Father Paul's like, yeah, give give that a couple a couple couple minutes. It'll be fine. <laughs> so a couple minutes go by, and you know, I guess Riley recuperates, and he's like, look, like I I know how you feel. I felt that hunger too. I've seen a bunch of things, and you see red. You know, you you can't really keep yourself under control. And you feel something inside of you, all right? You're kind of aware of yourself, but you're you're not in control of your actions, right? You're kind of just freed from consequences there because you didn't really want to attack Bev, right? But you did. <laughs> you did try to attack Bev. And Riley's like, well, I mean, I don't know if I didn't want to attack Bev. But... <laughs> no, but he really didn't want to attack her. So Monsignor's just like, it was involuntary. You had no control over it. Okay, that was God acting through you. And he's trying to gaslight him into believing this this vampirism is, like, given by God. Yeah. So he's just like, hey, this was an involuntary action. It wasn't you. You shouldn't feel bad about it. Like, do you feel bad about it? I don't think so. That's the reason that I don't feel bad about what happened to Joe. I feel absolutely no remorse whatsoever. Sounding like a straight sociopath right here. Yeah. He's just like, I killed Joe and I don't care. I feel nothing. I prayed about it. I was like, man, I should feel bad, but I don't. And it's because I didn't really do it. I didn't have any choice. My free will was taken away there because God was acting through me. He hears these hunger, like the the hunger he feels and the the involuntary actions and the voices in his head. mm -hmm. He thinks it's God speaking through him and God acting through him. Like, uh, this is the most delusioned man right now mm-hmm. he he's committing sin after sin and he thinks he is doing right by the world for doing all these so, things he yeah and he 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 goes on to say that like since his resurrection he specifically mentions since the moment he choked to death in front of beverly and came back mm-hmm. he's been feeling this drive inside this powerful will yeah. to act and do the things he's been doing but before that he was just a young person again who you know ate normal food did normal things he was just young again and he was like healing the town with the blood but 
when he came back to life, when he actually died and became fully fledged vampire, that's when all this craziness started. Yeah, that's That's true. when all the evil stuff started coming out of him. I would say and, that like he yeah. still had that powerful speech, those powerful speeches when he was trying to rally up everybody. The town will come back from from everything from the oil spill every this mm-hmm. town will prosper and made everybody cry that had a different flavor he's he's still kind of doing it now but it's definitely a different flavor you know it, it felt more righteous his sermons now feel more self-righteous like i don't know like like uh they're more selfish um they they're lacking as much heart since he lost his soul because he's a vampire (laughs) he um so he goes on to say you know like i i'm not in control of my actions uh joe died but i was sustained and riley's like murderer (laughs) and then he's like yeah well guess what i feel no guilt and you know what I'm not the only person in this room who's killed somebody. Damn. And Riley gets owned. <laughs> and then he quotes scripture again in this moment to kind of prove his point. He says this passage, Hebrew 9.14. He says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse your consciences, Cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Hebrews 9.14. Hebrews 9.14. So it's saying that like they, in this passage, is saying that Moses, these people um, in the desert, they all did, you know, acts that led to death. They all did these things, but they should remain unblemished to God because they were doing God's will. They even say it in the Bible. And that's kind of what he's getting at. He's trying to say that, you know, I did these things, but I was just doing God's will. It's not like I had a choice or anything. (laughs) I had to do this. I felt compelled to do this. And it's kind of genius the way this, this, uh, this story is tying in religious script into like the vampirism mythology. Yes. Um, I can see why some people would get mad about this, but I just think it's kind <laughs> of genius how they're tying these two things together because there's yeah. so many good parallels that they're drawing. Yeah. Um, I, I agree so with it's, that. It's, that whole it's thing. It's awesome. Like, the f- you can easily, you can easily bypass this and, mm-hmm. and just take it as he's just trying to defend his actions to, to somebody mm-hmm. he's trying to convert. But, it really is just like he's taking I look at it as a delusion man who thinks he's doing right by everything and he has evidence to back it up like in times of in times of uh, in these kind of times of, of uncertainty um, uh, mystery you turn to God he turned to God he turned to his scriptures and he looked through it and he found the the answers. Even you know, and Bev was helping him to find some of these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, he he found that what he's going through, the answers in the Bible, and in his mind, God's speaking through him, and he's doing God's work. 
we as the audience know better or you know yeah we could it could be just one big ass swerve and it's actually <laughs> Nosferatu is actually an angel the entire time and he actually was doing something but and that's where everything came from yeah, yeah. they could go in that direction yeah so after after the big burn here where he's just like look you're you also killed someone just like me so don't judge um riley's like yeah that was different and he was like yeah how's that different all right <laughs> you crashed your car after drinking and riley was like i was drunk at a party all right and i drank too much and then i don't remember anything okay i don't even remember getting behind the wheel and then he's like yeah whatever and riley goes on to tell talk about the experience which we've never seen him do before he's just like look I got in that car and at the scene of the accident, there was no skid marks. I didn't even touch the brake. I literally fell asleep at the wheel. All right. So don't talk to me about God's will acting through you because it didn't do so in that moment. It didn't wake up my unconscious body so that I didn't crash that car and kill Tara Beth. Okay. Because if, if it could do that, then it would have happened then. All right. There were, don't give me that shit. Hmm. Don't talk to me about God's will because that doesn't make any sense. And he's like, look, that did do something. All right. Terabeth's death did mean something. It brought you here back to this island and it brought you here right now to me in this moment. And now we're transcended and we're beyond. And we're he's saying all this crazy gaslighting spiritual stuff to make him feel special Mm -hmm. so that he kind of gets converted. (laughs) And he's like, look, I killed Joe just just uh just with my own hands like i murdered him i remember doing it and i feel no guilt because god acted through me and you should feel no guilt no remorse for him acting through you either like you don't you feel guilty about tara beth but i don't feel guilty about joe about murdering him how does that make you feel (laughs) and then he says what i was thinking riley says i feel disgusted and then Father Paul has this, this, the same, you know, fury that he's had in the past couple episodes where he's like, cut the shit, Riley, <laughs> right? This is an honesty circle and I'm tired of forgiving you for all your stupid lies. All right, just be real with me right now. How does it make you feel? And then Riley's like angry and he's like, no, I'm angry, Riley. All right, that's my emotion. How do you feel that I don't care that I killed Joe and you care that you killed Tara Beth? And he, he breaks him. And Riley's like, actually, I feel jealous. Because Riley still has a conscience. Mm-hmm. Riley still has a soul a little bit. But Father Paul does not. He feels no remorse. Not At all. But Riley does. And this is like a small sign that Riley, a part of Riley, is still human. He still has a bit of a conscience. I mean, Riley's full and front then, and center in this all this, uh, from what I see. Like I had, I see mm-hmm. no wavering from him at all, and mm-hmm. like I still don't think Father Paul is trying to justify his actions. I think he right, like he righteously believes what he's doing is correct. You know, I and, know, and whatever state I... he's in, but Riley. You do make a good point. Riley still has a conscience. Riley still is human in all, in, in all of this. And that plays a big part on like everything that happens next. 
It does. Yeah. So this conversation is rearing toward the end because Father made his point. <laughs> and he's just saying, look, Riley, have the courage to do what you have to do next. Okay? You can't change what happened. Have the courage to change what comes next. And have the wisdom to know the difference between things you can't change and what you have to change. He, re he quotes Serenity again. And he's like, you were brought back for a reason, just like me. All right? It wasn't an accident. <laughs> so this scene rears down. And he's just talking about how he's an important part of history now, blah, blah, blah. We have to change this whole town. We're super special. And then he goes to the window and opens the drapes, which is the sign for Mary Beth to come back in. Not Mary Beth, I'm sorry. <laughs> Beverly. Beth. <laughs> Bev. <laughs> Mary Beth. I don't even know where I got that name from. That's so Be Bev gets the signal. And it was kind of a weird scene because he opens the window curtains and i i kind of thought that he was gonna burn riley or something because the sun was still out but i guess it, it wasn't <laughs> enough sunlight to hurt anybody mm -hmm. so you know they continue talking but at a certain point bev walks in and cuts him off of course so bev walks in cuts him off and they get into this conversation where it's just like look you're being tested, Riley. You're the chosen one. All right. You're going to be doing God's will. And Riley gets a smirk on his face like, Bev, you stupid idiot <laughs> child, Neanderthal woman who I hate. And Beverly's like, how dare you smirk at God's will? All right. You were chosen for this honor and none of us was chosen, but just you. And it's not fair. And she's getting on like a real baby about it. And she's like, don't smirk it when I say God's will, blah, 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 blah. And it just made me smirk at her because I, I hate <laughs> her. So she's holding a little chalice that they usually use for the ceremonies. And Sturges is with her. And Sturges rolls up his sleeve, sleeves and he has a lot of like wounds. He has a lot of bandages on his arm. Yep. So it seems like if you put two and two together, they've been feeding off Sturges. And Sturges has been giving his blood willingly, which is yep. like, Damn. I don't see no cuts on Bev arms. That's for sure. That's what I said. I'm like, <laughs> Sturges must have done this eight times already. Bev, why don't you roll up a sleeve and donate today? Jeez. Well, now you know why Father's not, hasn't been hungry. Because <laughs> he's been feeding off Sturges. Yeah. It's uh, one hell of a thing. So they go on and Sturges cuts his hand. And he fills up the cup. And as he fills up the cup, Father says a little prayer. And they bring the cup closer to Riley. And as they bring the cup closer to Riley, Riley's like hesitant. But the hunger really gets to him. And he, he has no choice. He just slurps up the, the wine. <laughs> the wine. Not the wine. I'm sorry. The blood. <laughs> the actual blood. There's no pretense here. It's real no, blood. So real blood. he just slurps up the blood. Also... I'd like to take this moment to um, say that we've also been sponsored by Sturge's Kool-Aid. I'm not going to call it Sturge. <laughs> I'm not going to call it Sturge Juice. I'm not going to call it Sturge Juice. <laughs> Sturge Kool-Aid. <laughs> you ever been very so hungry? <laughs> ever been very, very hungry and you just need something to quench that thirst? You know, quench that hunger? Sturge Juice. Right when you need it. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> we'll work on that too. We'll just see like a really pale, like sickly <laughs> looking Sergis on the bottle. It's like, here you go. God. You know how uh, this happen? You know Rick and Morty, the episode where the um the Citadel where it just happened mm-hmm. Rick's uh they took a Rick and feed him happy memories and they use the happy memories to make a <laughs> to make like the candy bar. Yeah. That's a bad example, but I just imagine like the third sitting in a chair and they're just draining him of <laughs> fucking blood <laughs> while while force feeding him iron pills and other things that's good for the blood. Oh man. <laughs> We're gonna be rich. Oh yeah. So he some time goes by, it seems like it's nighttime, and he just keeps on trying to convince Riley and I guess himself, but he seems like he's already convinced that everything's fine, that they're doing the right thing. He's like, look, you know, look at all the good that happened in this town. Look at Liza. She can walk again. Yeah. And look at you. How do you feel right now, Riley? You got a full <laughs> belly. Do you feel at peace? Do you, Riley Flynn, feel at peace? And remember, no bullshit. And <laughs> Riley, I thought he was going to say that he feels depressed or if he feels shitty about what he's done. Riley agrees. He's like, yeah, you're right. I do feel at peace. I do feel like, you know, I have a purpose. And that was something Riley was struggling with. Yeah. And, you know, it's not revealed here what Riley feels his purpose is, but I think he is feeling at peace because in this moment, and there's no way to prove this, but in this moment, I think Riley's decided what he wants to do. Like, I just think in this moment, Riley decided that he wants to end it. I can see that. He just drank a cup mm-hmm. full of blood, you know. A lot of things to think about think he... at that at that point. <laughs> yeah, I think he's feeling content and peaceful because you know he's satiated for now, but he also has a goal, a purpose, yeah. and he he knows he can't stay this way forever. Right. He has to end it. Yep. So yeah, the scene's winding down. Bev bursts in again to ruin the day. And she's like, excellent. So what are we going to do? Are we going to just lock him in the shed? Because that's what I think should happen. And Father Paul's like, nah. All right, you're going to go. Okay, I really wish you'd come to Mass with us. Because Mass is going to start soon. In case you hadn't heard, we're doing Midnight Mass. (laughs) Um, But if you don't want to, that's fine. You have to go out into the world. All right, you're my little apostle. Go spread the word. Go spread the good news to everyone. So one thing, this is the point where... It's nighttime, and Bev walks in to to tell Father Paul to get ready for midnight mass. The sun's going down, and people are going to start gathering. Before this scene, um, when Riley and Bev and Sturge are having that little face-off about the, the blood, Bev's, mm-hmm. Bev starts quoting Bible verses for every everything that Riley has to say Bev has a Bible verse for each one. Riley did not want to drink Sturge's blood. Mm-hmm. He's It's not right. It doesn't make any sense to him. Where in the Bible does it say that? Bev says, John 6.51, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day, for my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink, and whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will remain in me and I in them. Wait, I don't know if Beth said this or Father Paul. One of them said this, but that was their reasoning 
for drinking Sturge's blood. God is speaking through them. God is telling them to to quench the thirst. <laughs> and then he Sturge punch. And then he's like oh, Sturge Sturge punch. <laughs> when you need to quench the thirst. <laughs> Uh, for I will <laughs> you will remain in me and I in you <laughs> amen uh, that is Bev's got a tagline. Uh, that is their retort for that um, so then he's like what about this and he shows like the little burns he has he's like what about that stuff Bev and Bev's like yeah well revelations 16 8 <laughs> uh, the fourth angel poured his bowl upon the sun and it was allowed to scorch men with fire Right, and then she makes up something. No, she doesn't. Does she make up something at this point? Well, she talks about how there's seven bowls of God, of seven bowls of God's wrath poured onto the second coming of Jesus Christ. Which at this point we learn that they know Jesus Christ is coming back. In fact, you can even argue they'll probably argue that uh, Nasratu is the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's still up in the air. Um, mm-hmm. but for sure, seven bowls of God's wrath. There's also seven episodes of Midnight Mass. Coincidence, seven days in a week. All like it just it, it just writes itself, baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the fourth angel poured his bowl upon the sun and was allowed to scorch men with fire. That's why he walks into the sun and gets burned. And then she goes on to say the fifth bowl of God's wrath plunges the world into darkness, which won't and what she adds won't be an issue for Riley and for Monsignor because they're night walkers. Has no one seen a vampire movie in this town? (laughs) (laughs) I think they they did. They saw Twilight and they're like, oh my God, what a beautiful (laughs) angel boy. Yeah. (laughs) He's so pretty. (laughs) So angelic. Uh, Yeah, so... so... yeah. They they literally took every a lot of things from the Bible. Like and at this point we're not just talking about Bev and Father Paul, we're talking about the writers. And they're yeah. coming up with um excuses. I'll call it excuses instead of reasons. Coming up mm-hmm. with excuses as to why they are holy and not unholy. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's what you make it. And <laughs> And it just goes to show you how when left to like these things can be interpreted and twisted into certain ways. Like they're using the scripture, just like some people use the scripture to justify doing terrible things. And that's kind of the dirty side of some of religion in general, not just Catholicism, but any religion. You can twist scripture and use it to justify your bad actions if you really wanted to. And these the writers kind of kind of found a way to do that in a in a way that ties it into the mythology for vampirism that it's just like it's crazy how many parallels they were able to draw and i think it just stems from the openness the open to interpretation type of language that these bibles and you know religious texts seem to have yeah yeah i i agree and uh and to follow that up it's the last quote as uh bev is angry at uh, Riley for refusing to drink the blood, 
He who drinks from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment upon themselves. Corinthians 11.27 Book one. And Riley definitely drinks. Yeah. I don't know if he considered it the body of Christ before he drank, so he was casting some major judgment on himself after mm -hmm. he drank that. So in the next day, like I said, um, Beverly came in, Riley's free to go. Father gives him his phone and he's just like, look, I hope you come back soon. Yeah. I'll be seeing you. And Riley can't even believe it. He's like, you're just going to let me go. Yeah. Oh. So is Bev. Bev was and not Riley, happy about it. Bev was not happy. Bev was like, we should lock him in the shed. Like Bev was <laughs> very upset about this. Yeah. Two things. We should bathe them in rat poison. A <laughs> couple things from Bev in these several scenes. Um, she shows a lot of jealousy. The fact that Riley was chosen and not her. Uh, this led me to believe that she does not know what the fuck is going on with Nosferatu and how he's quote-unquote baptizing these people into... Mm -hmm into god's right hand um uh, but yeah she's definitely just that's why she gets so angry and starts quoting all these scriptures the fact that she has a line for everything but she was prepared because father paul was there and he had these same um questions and she was right there helping him pick out all these things whatever <laughs> uh, but she was definitely jealous and Father Paul quickly dismisses her. Like she's like, I don't know if I feel like she's like, oh, I feel a certain way about all this, and he's like, I know. Like he rolls his eyes, like, yeah, I know, I know, whatever. <laughs> but she is not happy. In fact, well, all of something them, he does do. What he? Sorry about interrupting. Right. He 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 calls Riley an apostle, which I thought was interesting. She's like, I'm concerned about him. He's not very reliable. And he's like, what are apostles for? You got to send them out and let them spread the word of the Lord. You know, he, he has to get out there and talk to people and do his own thing. And then he'll come back because the gate's always open. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. He called him an apostle. <laughs> what were you going to say? Just that, like, uh, like another thing about Bev. <laughs> like, uh, <sighs> the entire, the three of them, uh, Sturge and the mayor, which Riley was like, the mayor's in on this too? Like, what the fuck is going on? I think at that point, you know, he definitely was, like, had he has, he had resolve, whatever. Um, yeah, they weren't happy. They, they, they wanted to keep him there until he learned his place, quote-unquote. They didn't say that, but mm -hmm. until he was ready to comply. But Father Paul had a lot of faith in Riley to go out there and, spread that word and he'll come he'll come to his own conclusion eventually and then he'll be back the gates always he open. also said he also said to riley that you know the lord is in you now and he'll let you know who you share this new gift with and it's a very eerie statement because he's going around and he's hearing people's heartbeats and he's mm -hmm. experiencing the world as a vampire and his heightened sense senses is making everything extra special. The world like is the a vampire. <laughs> 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 
Uh, it's going to be in my head all day. <laughs> Sorry. Go um, the lights are extra bright. The stars look amazing. He's seeing like all these auroras all over the place. And he's seeing people's pulse, yeah. like pulsate red. It's kind of gross. <laughs> and he's roaming around. And I guess he's just searching for someone to tell about this horrible experience that happened to him. So he walks around Main Street. He sees a bunch of people. He sees lights. And he goes back home. He takes one last look at his mom and dad. He takes a long last look at Warren. None of these people he wants to wake up. And then before we see who he finally talks to, we go to Midnight Mass. Mm-hmm. So in Midnight Mass, we see... Actually, do we go back to Midnight Mass? It was at this point, like everything kind of circles back. He's outside. He he goes to Midnight Mass outside. Um, right, yeah, because Riley goes. Yeah. yeah, and he hears... Um, he hears... Mildred and uh, tell Sarah never to go back to that church. That's not the man I knew. I feel like almost justifying everything that comes after. And then he goes back home, um, puts on the last, yeah, looks at his parents. He could see the the blood flowing them. One thing I will note, when he walked by uh, Aaron's house, he Mm -hmm. felt the hunger and it pained him. But he, he didn't see that when he was looking at his parents at, and at Warren almost like um, he didn't want to like it, it wasn't calling to him at that point so he changed his clothes and then he goes to the front door of Aaron knocks on the door and here we are we're all caught up with the story and they're back in the boat and Aaron's like alright let me just pretend that whole story is true cause you're a lunatic and he's like, yes, let's just pretend that that's true. <laughs> Aaron's like, what's the point of telling me that story? Because you brought me out here in the middle of nowhere, which is what I was thinking. <laughs> and you made it so I can't escape, can't go anywhere. So what's your goal here? Are you trying to ask me for help? Are you trying to scare me? Because I got to tell you, I've been up against worse. And I don't scare easy anymore. I don't allow it. So tell me what your goal is here, because if your goal is to scare me, it's not going to work. I'm not scared of you, Riley, not you. And it was kind of touching because I still ship them really hard. <laughs> and it was hard to see because they're in a bad, <laughs> bad situation right now. Yep. So Riley's like, look, um, my intention wasn't to scare you. Okay. I brought you out here not because... I didn't want you to escape. I brought us out here on this boat because I don't want to escape. I don't want there to be any out for me. And it's at this point when, that we yeah. start seeing the sunrise, which is also what he's been having these dreams about, right? Him sitting mm-hmm. on a boat by himself, and then the sun rises, and then that's how he wakes up. This last dream. The last dream he had, yeah, exactly, can't see it. And the last dream he had was with Aaron in front of him. And the sun rises, and he wakes up. So it's <laughs> it, The foreshadowing for that is insane. Like, I, I don't know, I didn't see the scene coming, but yeah, <laughs> he sees the sunshine coming up, but he can't actually see the sunrise 
completely before he wakes up. And it's the same right now because he's a vampire. Mm. He can't see the sun. Yeah. The sun's up. He's dead. Crazy. Crazy good writing right there. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, uh, he's, like you said, he doesn't want to, um, he, he chose that spot because he doesn't want to escape. He has, he knows he has no place to escape. And he tells her and he looks at her right in the face and says, I'm not as strong as you. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the only solution he can come up with, I guess. Uh, but it's a pretty good one. <laughs> he knew telling her the story wasn't enough. He needed her to see, to see everything that's happening. I don't know if you mentioned that because I couldn't hear you. Yeah. So, um, he he's like they're about to. They're about to wrap it up. <laughs> he <laughs> knew that, that the only way for her to believe his story is to see it, right? To see what's going to happen next. That's the only mm-hmm. time, that's the only way he she can get her to believe it. And he knows that, no, well, he tells her what he wants is for her to get in that, con- like, to just keep rowing. After what happens, just keep rowing, go to the mainland and never return. But he knows she's not going to do that because she's a good person and the, she's going to go back to the town and try to save everybody. And, but he hopes in his heart that he, that, that she doesn't do that. And the last thing he says several times is I did my best as the sun is rising. He says, I did he, my best. Yeah. Yep. Before he says that he looks her dead in the eye and he says, I love you, oh, yeah. Aaron Green. And I've loved you all my life. Yeah. Uh, they're killing me and she says and she I says i love you too yep. and then he says i did my best yeah. i did my best the sun starts to rise and we see it hit his skin and he doesn't burst into flames and the that's end. like whoa the i can't believe it credits roll everything's happy everybody's fine <laughs> no it, it, it hits his skin and he doesn't burst into flames and i was like oh my god maybe riley like is <laughs> reconciled his sins and he's he's ascended like maybe there's some truth to this crazy stuff because i was like in the bargaining phase of loss and i was trying to see if there's a way (laughs) riley could survive um but then it pans over to aaron green's place and aaron green is not there it's actually tara beth (sighs) and he reaches out to tara beth he takes tara beth's hand and and we cut back yes they they go up (laughs) they do go up Yep. And it's actually kind of a nice scene because it's like, oh, he like went to the other side. That's crazy. Yeah, he or did. maybe this is just the DMT trip that he was talking about. <laughs> and his brain was flooded with adrenaline and all these other hormones that made him remember things and made him feel good. It, Who knows? Regardless, he sees Tara Beth. She's smiling at him as in you're forgiven. And I think that's good enough. <laughs> Whether it's the DMT trip before he dies or... The actual him ascending above, mm-hmm. he found peace, and that's all anyone, was good. anyone could ask for. However, that's not what's actually going on in the boat. We cut to Aaron screaming her fucking lungs out <laughs> because what she just witnessed is Riley bursting into flames. His skin is burnt off. You could see the charcoal skull fall off from his body onto the boat 
and she's just screaming and crying and screaming and crying and the credits roll and she's still screaming and crying and we can tell you because we sat through all four minutes of that <laughs> well it was two minutes so the next two minutes of credits were for like uh dubbing but the two minutes are just of her screaming over and over and crying i immediately was like in hindsight that's kind of fucked up jumbi was like but how else was she gonna believe him and it's like mm-hmm. and i get it he he was always gonna be afraid to succumb to to his bloodlust that's inevitable he was going to kill or drink blood or do whatever or become a slave to them to to to, to quench the, the thirst of sturge punch um so this was his only option yeah and riley just struck me as the type of guy who wouldn't want to live forever anyway exactly this, this is kind of what i expected him to do i just didn't think it'd be Right, like this, but this is now seeing it, it's the perfect way for him to go. Because yeah. he could have told her the entire story and then went off into this alone. Mm-hmm. But how is he going to make her believe it? Right. Even if he fed on somebody in front of her, it still just looked like he's a crazy man. Yeah. It wouldn't necessarily mean he's a vampire. She had to actually see him burst into flames. To and why would this. she. And why. Um, what's the stepfather Paul to be like, oh, he's lying? <laughs> mm-hmm. Lock him up. Because. We've seen he's a good liar when he needs to be. Yeah. This is the second episode in a row that I had to watch Riley Flynn die, and it's killing me inside because <laughs> I love Riley Flynn. That's I right. like the romance between him and Aaron Green, and it's so sad that it's officially over now. I don't think we're seeing Riley again. <laughs> <laughs> There's no hope anymore. Next episode. I had no hope last. Oh my god. Next episode. There's a knock on my mind. There's a knock on her door. <laughs> Like, really, I guess? This time it's Nosferatu <laughs> for real. He's like, hey, I, I heard you saw something, and we need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, One thing to note of this is that, uh, well, first things first, if there was anybody that would have the fucking answer to how to stop this, it's damn well sure Aaron is going to find that out. Um, mm-hmm. uh, But... I ho- I'm hoping she sails to the mainland. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, just episode six and seven is just them winning and just staying on the island <laughs> forever. Sure, isolated, feeding on each other. Yeah, um, people becoming slaves. They're just lambs at this point, right? Lambs, Some of them, yeah. Lambs to get feed on. Uh, lambs who can't have wounds, though. I mean, I don't even know why Sturgis has wounds because he just needs to take one sip of communion wine. And then he's yeah. fixed, right? I mean, they keep getting the healing juice, yeah. Nosferatu juice. Um, yeah. It. Oh my God, Sturgis! What is it called? Sturgis juice is also Nosferatu juice because it's made from Nosferatu juice. It's nah, all connected. Nah, nah. It's like, uh, you know, like when you feed a chicken garlic, it's not gonna taste like garlic. You know what I mean? <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> but definitely. One thing I did notice uh, in the last podcast, I talked about how the episode always felt like Nasratu was around, even though he wasn't around. He always felt he was lurking. It didn't feel like that in this episode. Yeah, 
he felt very he felt noticeably absent yeah definitely he always shows up at the end of the episodes not this one so but you know what i think they're going for with this what i think it's good friday all right mm-hmm. we had a main character die yeah. I don't think Riley's coming back, right? Uh, yeah. But if he were to come back, <laughs> it would be on Easter. <laughs> so I think we're not going to see Nosferatu again until Easter, mm. when the resurrection is supposed to take place. I think that's when we're going to see Nosferatu come back, and it's going to be like the second coming, which is supposed to be the end of the world. Mm. That's that's the only prediction I can make because this show is so good that I. I never know what's going to happen next, and it's so <laughs> it's so awesome. I know we're going to see more of the sheriff's investigation. Yeah, I don't know if Aaron Green's going to share the information she learned from Riley with him, or if she's going to go to the mainland. If she's going to do anything past, if she's just going to sit in that boat, because that's my that might be what I do. <laughs> I would just sit in that boat crying for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Like Riley got as much information as he could. But mm-hmm. I, he doesn't know the plan. I feel like he could have at least waited a little longer. But then again, he had to show Aaron what's what. I, I don't blame him. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't want to live like that for too long. Yeah. That was going to eventually eat at him. He would have to feed again. He looked at his parents and he looked at Warren and he saw the blood flowing through their necks. Automatically going to be like, it could happen at any moment. Yeah. I could just see red. And I wake up and one of them is in my arms. Yeah. I mean, once you're looking at your loved ones and you're seeing food when you look at them, I, <laughs> I don't, I can understand why he did what he did. Like, yeah. That's rough. One, um, couple things, uh, we didn't talk about, but the eyes when, yeah, when Riley was getting his chiropractic, um, his neck adjusted <laughs> back into place. Uh, we see Father Paul's eyes, and there's like something devoid of, like in the middle of the iris. Yeah. There's just like there's like a, re- a reflection, like a blank stare, like a mm-hmm. like a white light. And after Riley comes back and he starts walking around, we see that in his eyes too. So those are yeah. the the full fledged vampires, and I could see Riley. Just being like, I don't want, <laughs> like, looking across Father Paul, seeing his, his um, his excuses, his reasoning, everything that's coming out of his mouth, and being like, I that could be me one day, and I I can't I can't live this life. Sorry. <laughs> and then there's um, uh, when uh, when they're talking about um, Father Paul drinking joe he's like right he's like did you join that thing in feeding did you uh drink my blood and and father paul's like yeah (laughs) i did (laughs) yeah you know i did (laughs) i was all up in there riley and then i saved you (laughs) riley (laughs) riley's um i don't know what's what what other drink riley's wine Oh, no. Riley, Riley's grape juice, another sponsor. <laughs> Riley would be made of grape juice. He has that vibe. <laughs> Riley's fermented grape juice. 
another sponsor, mm-hmm. Phantoms of the Silver Screen. Yep. <laughs> yes. So desperate, we have to make up our own sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Please join uh, join these causes. <laughs> man, this was such a good episode, yeah. and the the way that they tied up Riley's downfall here with his dreams was super poetic. It was it was it was awesome. Yeah. What a way to go out. A much better way to go out than how he went out the first time. You know, I'm it's a it's a good send off. Like I'm I'm not as broken up as I was yesterday, even though I'm still sad. Like <laughs> that was a shock. This is more of like saying goodbye. You know, yeah. like he went out on his own terms. Yes, that, that was what I was going to say. Um, yeah. And he's doing good because if Aaron is able to stop him, then he did good. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like that was his purpose. He was always looking for his purpose. That could be his purpose to send out that warning to Aaron, and Aaron's gonna stop everybody. It's kind of crazy because I don't. This this whole town's a powder keg. Like, if somebody dies, they become a fully fledged vampire. At least that's how I think it works. I think, so uh, how do you stop this? I I I don't think it's that simple. I think they need to be resurrected with the Nosferatu juice. Well, they've already drank it, so all they need to do is die now, right? Because that explains Father Paul, right? But Father Paul's also a different case. Because when he died, no, he wasn't dying. He was dying. And but he didn't die, die. He didn't yeah. die, die. And he was able to eat. He was able to yeah, eat he, normal food. And walk in the sun, and just walk like in everyone the sun. else. Yeah, and then Bev poisoned him, which we will. I will stick to that <laughs> till the end. Um she poisoned him and he that's when he was resurrected you know and remember the mayor the mayor's wife and sturge were all there to and bev were all there to watch him uh, resurrect and that's when they also figured out that that was monsignor so and he starts spewing these words of god so they're like oh yeah of course we're gonna follow this what else can we like how else are we supposed to react to this so I could get the I could get their blind um loyalty. Man. Wow. <laughs> uh, Man, this episode just has me in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's gonna happen next? I got a question for you. Do they yeah. end it cliche or not cliche? I I think it'll be a nice ending. With Aaron holding her stomach and it's Riley's kid. Nah, nah, okay. they never did it. I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't think they did. I think it was purely innocent stuff until, like tonight would have been the night, and he missed it because he died. Yeah. I think that would have been it. Or even not tonight because she was still in a bad place. Like she's still mourning the loss. So yeah. I don't think they they got up to anything because she neither of them was in the right headspace for that. I think it was like something more pure, which actually makes it harder that it's not going to be a thing anymore. Gotcha. Like they were more than that to each other. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. Um. Yeah, I I can't think of any other theory. Aaron has to, it's two more episodes. Aaron has to stop him. Do you think she succeeds? I do think- yeah, I think there's going to be a definitive ending to this because at least 
Mike Flanagan's other properties, like the other two Hill House things, had a definitive ending. Yeah. They weren't necessarily happy endings. Not both of them anyway. But they did have endings. So I think this is going to tie up nicely. Okay. I don't know how, <laughs> but that's part of the fun. So. Yeah. Cool. I, I can't think of anything. A lot of our questions that we posed in episode one happened. <laughs> so... <laughs> Like we got the answers to now. It's just end game. Where next episode's the the. I thought this episode would be the big. Well, we're at the start of the climax. Episode four ended with the start of the climax. We're building up to like the actual event, and it has to be episode six. But we'll see how it happens. Cool. Right. Any last words, Rip? The fifth bowl of God's wrath plunges the world into darkness, which won't be an issue. If you have Sturge's juice, Sturge's juice <laughs> available wherever <laughs> juice is sold. <laughs> Proud sponsor of Phantom of the Silver Screen. Don't forget. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>